We're, we're in our third week of looking at the book of Romans. And if you remember, last week we talked about how the church in Rome was a, a really diverse church. That, that there were all kinds of differences because some of them were Jews, some of them were not Jews, and they had this vast array of different nationalities and cultures and religious backgrounds and convictions and ideals and ideas about what being the church and following Jesus looked like. And so Paul in his letter was helping them to sort out some of these differences and help them to see what the basics of Christianity were and the basics of being the church. And so in the few, first few chapters, he lays out that really every single one of us, no matter who you are, what your nationality, what's your background, what's your beliefs, that no matter who you are, you need Jesus. That all of us, no matter who you are, have sinned. That we all need Jesus. And so Paul says... And we read this last week. This is Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 31. So Paul says last week, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can just forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Paul asks, can we boast about anything that we've done for God? Is there anything that we have done for God that we can be like, yeah, we did pretty good on that one? He says, no. He says, being saved is not based on being good enough. It is based on faith. And that was a big idea for the Jews, Back then. That was a big idea for these, these Jewish convert, converts to Christianity in this new thing called the Church of Jesus. And it was a hard thing for them to get their head around because so much of their Jewish religion was about doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. 
You had to do this, this, and this in order to be clean. And if you didn't do those things, then you were unclean. And you couldn't participate in worship, and you couldn't participate in their religion at all. And you were beyond God until you got clean. So the Jewish idea of, of Christianity was, okay, here's the list of things you have to do in order to be accepted by God. And Paul is saying, obeying the law is not the thing that makes you right with God, it's faith. But that was a hard thing for, for the Jewish part of the church to understand because they had always had this understanding that it's about following the rules. And we talked about that last week that they kind of looked down on the Gentiles and kind of said, like, are these guys even Christians? Because they don't follow the rules. They don't do the things that you're supposed to do that the Jews thought you had to do in order to follow God. And so Paul is trying to help them understand. So he gives them an example that they're really familiar with. The Gentiles maybe a little bit, and so he helps them kind of feel, fill in some gaps. But he gives the, especially the Jewish members of the church an example that they're really familiar with, Abraham, the patriarch of the Jewish nation, the Jewish religion. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. This is Romans chapter 4. We're going to be uh, reading the whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, that's where we'll be. Uh, you can follow along there. It's on, on the, you can down, you know, pull it up on your phone or whatever. Or it'll be on the screen behind me. And if you're watching today on Facebook or YouTube, it will be somewhere probably right in this general area down here. But this is Romans chapter 4. Uh, and starting at verse one. So just to back up, uh, don't forget, Paul is talking about faith. And then in verse one, he says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have certainly had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. David says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. And Paul asks in verse nine, now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is this also for the uncircumcised Gentiles. And him calling them uncircumcised Gentiles, it kind of sums up this whole question. It, it, it is a great picture of what's going on here. 
He's saying, is the blessing of being forgiven, of having your record cleared of sin, is it only for the Jews or is it for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Because see, a big part of being a Jew, the one thing that set them apart from all the other nations, all the other people groups around them, the one part of their covenant that God made with Abraham and said, you've got to do this, was for all the boys to be circumcised. And if you weren't circumcised, you weren't part of the covenant. You weren't part of the Jewish faith. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, anyone who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family. And in the, in the original language, in the Hebrew, where it's how it's actually written, it, it, God's a little bit more blunt, and there's sort of a balancing act of, of what he's saying. God says this. He says, he who is not cut off the flesh of his foreskin will be cut off from his people. It's just one of those. And so circumcision was this huge thing that if you didn't do it, you couldn't be Jewish. You couldn't be part of that nation. You couldn't be part of the religion. You couldn't be close to God. I don't know why God picked that of all things. It's kind of strange. I'm going to ask him about it one day. Like, why'd you pick that one? I don't know. But if you didn't do that, you were cut off from people and from God. Following the prescribed rules gave you access to God. So Paul is asking, this blessing of being forgiven and saved, is this only for the Jews, those that followed the rules, or is it for the one who didn't follow the Jewish laws and customs and are uncircumcised? Is it for them too? He goes on, and this is verse, starting at verse nine, which we just read, and then following. He says, well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But it's only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So because none of us can live up to the law, the law brings punishment to those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received 
by faith. He says that the promise is given as a free gift and we're all certain to receive it. We are all, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're following the Jewish laws or not following the Jewish laws, are certain to receive this free gift. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. So let's talk about Abraham real quick. We're gonna do like a flyby over of Abraham's life real quick. It starts in about Genesis 12 and goes for about 12, 13, 14 chapters. In Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham, Abram was his name at this point, and God says, Abram, I want you to move. I'll show you where eventually, but right now I just want you to move. Leave your country, leave your family, and go. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you six ways to Sunday, but go. And so Abraham takes it on faith, and he is, his family move all over that part of the world, all different countries. Then, while they're in Egypt, Abram makes a bad call and he pretends his wife is his sister because he thinks that the king might try to kill him. And so the king tries to marry Abram's wife and there's drama. There's just drama. In Genesis chapter 15, God promises Abram a son. He promises Abram to make him into a great nation and give him the land that will become the land of Israel. And Abraham takes it in faith. In chapter 16, Abram's faith maybe shakes a little bit because him and his wife are old. They haven't had any kids yet. It doesn't seem like kids are a thing. So Abram has a baby with his servant. But that's not really what God said. Abraham was trying to make it happen rather than wait on God and then there's more drama. In chapter 17, when Abram is 100 years old, God reminds Abram of the covenant he made with him. He changes his name to Abraham. Abraham's wife's name is changed to Sarah. He makes the covenant of circumcision with Abram to Abraham and promises Abraham that his wife Sarah will give him a son even in her old age. And Abraham took it on faith. It was a little bit more of a faith struggle for Sarah, but she takes it too, and they believe God and take it on faith. Then Abraham moves to the Negev. He makes kind of a bad call, pretends Sarah is his sister because the king wants to marry her, and then there's drama again. He does it twice. Sometimes you don't learn. And then there's drama again. Eventually, Sarah miraculously gets pregnant and Abraham has a son, Isaac, whom God asks Abraham to sacrifice a few years later. But Abraham has faith that God will save Isaac and God does save Isaac. Isaac grows up, Abraham dies at a nice old age. His family hasn't quite yet been made into a great nation, but nevertheless, Abraham dies believing in faith on God's promise to him 
to be a great nation, which God fulfills a couple generations later with Abraham's grandson, Jacob. So like I said, that's, about a, that's a flyby of about 12 big important chapters in Genesis. Um, if you want to read it, start at Genesis 12. But that's a, sort of a brief synopsis of who Abraham was. So now we come back to Romans. We'll start at verse 16, where we just left off. Abraham is the father of all who believe. That's what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. He believed it with Isaac. And who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would one day become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So Paul says this story of Abraham, that it was recorded, that it was written down for our benefit so that we could see God counts us as righteous if we believe and have faith like Abraham did. And that's really what it all comes down to. It comes down to faith. But it's easy to fall into the trap that the Jews and the Roman church did. It's easy to fall into this trap of, it's all about the rules. You have to do this and this and this to be clean. And if you don't do that and that and that to be clean, you're unclean. You can't participate in worship. You're beyond God. You're no good to God because you're dirty. You're unclean. And until you get clean, God's, God's far away. God doesn't want to have much to do with you. So then, then the Roman church and church all around starts to sound a little bit like Jewish church. Here's the list of things you have to do to be accepted by God. Do this, this, and this, and God will probably like you. And Paul is saying, look, obeying the law is not a thing that makes you right with God. It's faith. But that's hard for us to understand sometimes, isn't it? It's, it's faith. 
It's not something you work for. It's not something you earn. It's not something that you go out, you work real hard, earn enough points, and then God, here, here's your reward of salvation. I heard it this past week. I was talking to somebody, and they were swearing a little bit, and, and somebody said, you know, hey, you, you know who you're talking to? And they, he said, that's a pastor. And I, I said, it doesn't really bother me. I'm fine. And he's like, yeah, but we got we to gotta earn points where we can. And I said, let me tell you this sermon I've written out. No, I didn't. But, but that's, I mean, that's the idea that, that a lot of people have. And, and we sometimes fall into that trap in our head. We hear that voice in our head. Sometimes I think it's just our own guilt and our own flesh, and I think sometimes it's Satan whispering in our ear. Oh, you, you, you did that? Ugh. I don't know if you can really call yourself a Christian if you do that. Why do you even try? Why do you even try to be a Christian? Just give it up. Because you do that, that, and that. So if you do that, that, and that, you, you can't be a Christian. You know, uh-oh, you didn't, you didn't do that. Bible says you should do that, but you didn't do that. You're, you can't, you're, not, you're not a Christian. Give up. Walk away. You didn't follow the list. Paul makes it clear. It's not what you do that saves you. It's who your faith is in that saves you. And that's all. Don't let someone tell you that you're not a Christian if you've placed your faith in Jesus. Don't let yourself tell you that you're not a Christian because you didn't do the list if you have placed your faith in Jesus. Whether it's you or someone else or it's the devil whispering in your ear, if you're hearing a lie in your heart that says you can't be a Christian unless you do, tell that lie just go back to hell where it came from because Jesus already did everything that you need to be saved. Remember, God called Abraham righteous. And look, Abraham had some really high points of faith, but he had plenty of times his faith struggled a little bit too, where it shook. And really, you can't have strong faith moments without some weak faith moments. He had strong faith moments. He moved when God said move, and he didn't even know where he was going. Now, imagine that for your life. You go, you pack up the U-Haul, you get as much stuff as you can they have. You say, I, this is the stuff I really want to keep. You pack up a U-Haul, you have the you know, the obligatory moving sale to sell off the stuff that you're like, why did I ever have that? And, and you move and, some, and you're getting ready to pull out and somebody says, hey, where are you moving to? And you say, I don't know. I, I'm going that way, I think. I don't know, I might go that way. I mean, 
That takes faith to just do that. It takes faith. Abraham circumcised himself as a man. That takes faith, I would think. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his one and only son, the son of his promise, all on faith. Abraham had some strong faith moments, but he had some weaker faith moments too. He got his servant pregnant because he got impatient waiting for God because God wasn't fulfilling the promise fast enough for him. He didn't have faith enough. His faith kind of shook a little bit when it came to believing that God would protect his wife when he was in a land with the king, so he tried to pass her off as his sister twice. And the second time was after God changed his name to Abraham. And after the covenant of circumcision and all of that, after that, he still was like, I don't know, let's just say you're my sister. And I, I don't know, probably like any good wife, she was like, that didn't work before. He's like, oh, let's do it again. Look, you don't have to have perfect faith to be a Christian. You just have to have some. In Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. In Matthew 13, uh, 31 and 32, Jesus tells the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds will come and perch in its branches. So as we close this morning, here are just a few questions. I just want you to spend some time wrestling through them with God. As we, as we close talking about faith. First question is this. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? It's not maybe the most Difficult question, but it's the biggest question you'll ever answer. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Second question is, is that faith growing? Jesus said that faith starts small, but when it grows, it's huge. He says it's like a mustard seed. A, a mustard seed, if, if you've ever seen one, is not much bigger than a grain of salt. Maybe like pretzel salt. 
But he says it, it becomes such a, a huge garden plant that birds can nest in it. Faith grows. Is your faith growing? In verse 20 of chapter 4, Paul says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. If your faith isn't growing, it might not really be faith. Is your faith, is your willingness to step out into a place that is uncertain, bigger and stronger than it was a year ago? Is your faith to follow Jesus, to pack up the U-Haul and drive that way? Is your faith bigger than it was three years ago, five years ago? Is your faith growing? Third question to wrestle through with God. What is that faith producing? See, faith, true faith, produces something. You don't have to do anything to be saved. All you need is faith. But doing things, obedience to what God has said, is a byproduct of faith. You don't have to do anything to be saved. That's just faith alone. But when you have faith, real faith, true faith, doing things in obedience to what God has said is a byproduct of having that faith. Remember we read in Romans 3.31 earlier, he said, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can just forget about the law? Of course not. He says, in fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. You don't have to do anything to be a Christian. But if you're not doing anything because you're a Christian, it might not really be faith. You don't have to do anything to be a Christian, but if you're not doing anything because you're a Christian, it might not really be faith. Abraham was considered righteous by God because of his faith before he did any of those things, moving and circumcision and Isaac. Abraham was considered righteous by God because of his faith. But then if you look at the life Abraham lived because of his faith, Abraham's faith produced faith-filled obedience. Abraham's faith produced moving up the U-Haul. Abraham's faith produced being willing to sacrifice Isaac. So what is your faith producing? And then finally, the last question. Do you feel peace with God? Do you feel peace with God? In Romans chapter five, verses one and two, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, 
Romans chapter 5 starts out with saying, therefore. Now, a good old Bible study rule is if you see a therefore, go back and see what it's there for. Because he's saying, based on everything you just heard, now this. Well, if you don't know everything what was said before, then this doesn't make quite as much sense. So go see what it's there for. So all of chapter four, talking about Abraham, talking about faith, talking about faith alone, all of that finishes up chapter four by saying, uh, um, God will count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who, uh, who raised Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Our faith has brought us to a place of undeserved privilege with Christ where we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory because we've been made right in God's sight and it gives us peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Where you're at in your life right now, can you say, I've got peace with God? And let me just say, if you're struggling with having peace with God, maybe it's not a peace struggle. It might be a faith struggle. And so you just might want to work through that with God. Or, or maybe it's just the fact that you've kind of forgotten that salvation, that being made right with God is not something you do. It's not something you have to work for. It's something that Jesus did for you. And maybe you just need to stop and praise him. Stop trying to work to win your salvation. Just praise him for it. That's what we're going to do next week. Because I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. It's not about what I do. It's not about how good I am. It's not about how close I can follow God's rules to bring me peace with God. That brings me forgiveness. That saves me. It's faith. Faith in Jesus Christ that he has done it. And I'm thankful for the peace it brings, and knowing that. May you know that peace too. Let's pray.